welcome to AF Eloquence, where we are eloquent AF about AFL, or we try to be. Um, who knows? It's really, it's really anyone's guess. We're recording this episode uh, Wednesday, the 27th of March. The time is 7.48, which means that we're missing AFL 360 to be here. It's a so huge miss. That's how much we care about you, our listeners, and each other, and footy. It's a massive miss. I mean, I don't, I don't normally miss out on my dose of Robbo. On a Wednesday, it's the most important night. Oh, it is, dude. It's absolutely... It's Legends Night, my friend. Oh, mate, it's very important. So it proves that we're, we're really putting our all into this tonight, buddy. This is... um, It's good to be here. My name is Bart Welch. Back again for episode two. My name's Emil. We are long-suffering Blues and St Kilda fans, respectively. I, of course, go for the Blues and Barty is a Saints man. Um... Last week was fun. It was really good to do. Uh, good to get some feedback from uh, people who tuned in. So thank you for that. If you do want to give us some feedback, ideas, hints, tips, predictions, whispers from wherever, then um, you can do that. We're uh, all over social media. Our uh, handles at AFLoquence, both on Facebook and Instagram. It's a lot. Same with our uh, Gmail. If you want to send us a little email, it's afeloquence at gmail.com. That'd be super sweet. Yeah. Thanks for tuning in uh, last week. That was, we really appreciated it. We're still obviously figuring this thing out. I'm in Sydney and Millie's in Melbourne as well. Hence the sometimes layover of talking. The Skype thing makes it, you know, a little bit difficult, but we warmed into it, didn't we? We're going to warm in again. I'm feeling pretty damn good. I'm feeling damn warm. <laughs> and look, you know, the distance can't stop us, but Australia's crap internet might. So if it happens, it happens. Blame, blame the libs, basically. That's it, man. Break B. Well, so, Emil. Tips this week. Let's, 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 let's knock that nail on their head. Um, if round one proves that the only people getting eight or nine tips were people who know nothing about football, it must mean that we know a great deal about football. Wouldn't you say, buddy? I'd say we know a shit ton about football, Emil. With I, had a, I, for one, had a strong three. A really strong three. I must be the brains trust here because I had a, a an enormous two two correct predictions this round. Mate, that proves that you know a lot about football. That's a lot, dude. Like with all the time and effort we put into reading all the crap, doing all the research, you know, it proves that we it's this stuff's paying off, man. Two tips. That's good. That's a solid solid selection. At one stage, Emil and I were talking um, over the weekend of football. And Mealy was at zero for five at one point. Hadn't got one right. And then it became a thing where it's like, well, I hope you fucking don't get one right because that's really funny. I was really hoping for the clean sweep. If I had got it, I would have tried, I think, I would have changed my strategy for the year and uh, taken on the persona of the kiss of death and just tried to go for none. Imagine the multi meal. <laughs> yeah, man. Big week in footy. Yeah, what are your thoughts on everything, dude? It was pretty massive. A lot happened. Obviously, a lot of upsets and... You know, people across the board were getting their predictions all horribly wrong and a lot of doom and gloom. There's a lot of reactionary stuff from bad losses and uh, it's pretty bonkers. What do you think? I think there were some beautiful stories to emerge, like uh, trying to, like the way that Port played, the way that Brisbane played, the way that, you know, um, those upsets would, I mean, for every upset, there's um, there's a team that's 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 not upset that's quite happy that's fact. correct that's, that's that's my understanding of how it works um so I, I was really excited about those results i think it did feel like a bit of a shake-up and it just proved to me that 
most of the pundits are just stabbing in the dark, right? Like it's it's not. Um, oh, they know fuck all, man. Sorry, they really we really don't. Like how it's so hard to call. And round one, we said it last week, didn't we? All bets are off. It's such a rough one to pick. How do, how do you pick it? And by the same token, all the people that have now summed up, like, well, you know, Melbourne, they're no good, and. You know, Essendon, that's it. Yeah, man. They've only got 22 rounds to come back from that. I don't know if they're going to have time to make up for that result, you know? Yeah, to get it together. Yeah, it's pretty, the people are pretty hot with um, some of their takes after the weekend. Um, but yeah, it, w- it was pretty exciting for a lot of the, um, you know, for the teams, like you said, for Brisbane and for the Dogs to get a win and for Fremantle, Fremantle. to kick. Which, by the way, we didn't finish off our tip last week for Frio and North Melbourne. We both just prattled on and went on some tangent about mental health. It was. We went on a... It was a, a, a needed discussion. It was. And we both didn't tip for that game. But we both tipped incorrectly and we both were going to say North Melbourne and they got absolutely pumped by a aggressive Ross Lyon team, as he's known for, Amelie. High-scoring Ross Lyon. Let's start with that game because I think that that is perhaps... Uh, it's one of the most interesting games of the round. Uh, I mean, Fremantle have the home advantage over there in Perth, but um, that comment Fife made after the match about really being pleased with the coaching staff embracing a modern football style, I think that is really telling. Um, it just makes me wonder what had Fremantle and Ross Lyon been coaching to this point? And was their game style so outdated Um by modern standards that it just, it kept them low and, and shit the way they have been over the past few years. I mean, they've had a rough run with injury, but if this is just changing game style, then that is an incredible turnaround. Oh, a big turnaround. Cause Ross is, you know, again, it's only round one. So who knows, but Ross was starting to be a little bit under the pump there. Like as a coach, you know, there was, he, they were, they've been the same since really that 2013, 2014 kind of era. They haven't scored. They're not a high scoring team. They're very defensive. And then you come out and you see this and a little bit of a dig, wasn't it? From five to the, to the coaching department, like, Hey, thanks for changing the game plan so we can actually win. But geez, man, it, it, it worked. It was massive. I didn't pick it at all. I didn't think Freo would look like this this year. And you know, who knows? They, they play Gold Coast next week and you think they might be able to notch up another one. So yeah. Which, is, of course, will finish at round three when they take on the mighty Saints, who are undefeated this year. The unstoppable force meets the immovable object of St Kilda. That's right. Can't be moved. Unless it's down to Seaford. We're only moving to Seaford or back to Moorabbin. That's our, that's the one route. Up the Nepean, yeah. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> down the Ninch. Oh, dear. <laughs> oh, boy, oh, boy. That was a surprising result. I mean, I really, I'll be, I'll be very interested in watching Freo from this point because they were they were damn good to watch. I, I, I had an interesting one with um, Brisbane and West Coast. So I went and watched it at a friend of mine who's a West Coast Eagles fan and it was with him, one of his best mates who's an Eagles fan and then another actor up in Sydney who's actually a West Coast Eagles ambassador. So I was with... I was with a nest of eagles and then I had like, of course, like I don't mind the eagles, they're good to watch, but I had this whole Brisbane thing running in my head, you know, like the, oh, Brisbane, everyone's second favourite team at the minute. So I was very happy to like watch this game and see how the Lions went because um, I was so bullish about them. But then of course, you know, it's starting to turn and I'm just sitting there with these eagles fans and they're, you know, they've, the last game they won is the grand final and then to get beaten by, you know, the team that came uh, fourth last... It was pretty good. Mind you, they were, pr- they were pretty good fans in, in, in defeat. I think that glow of a premiership kind of can't be w- washed off by one 
slowly defeat. You know, I think that that lasts a while. It didn't really phase them too much. It was just a little bit of a shock. You're right. That glow, that after that premiership afterglow, it um, it sticks around for a while, like a like a like a bad fart. It's it's around for a bit, and no one else except for you likes to smell it. That's right, stinking glory. Mm-hmm. It's only for you and your thousands of members. You are bullish on the on the on the Lions. I think as a lowly Blues supporter, uh, I was kind of hoping that they might have another year around the the foot of the table. But I don't know, man. It could be they could be playing finals this year if they keep that form up. Hundred percent. They got great players. They've got like a really solid midfield. They've added Lockie Neal in there, and you know I think we had a run through of the players last week. There's no reason why they can't jump up. And in this day and age of the football of the AFL league now, no one fucking knows. You can come thirteenth and then win the flag the next year. You can be out of the eight in the eight. You can win a premiership then just drop out. I think more than ever, it's so tight and competitive that it's not that crazy or outlandish to say that Brisbane could play finals or, you know, maybe it's a bit crazy to say the Saints can or the Blues, maybe. But, you know, going off this uh, this theory, any any team can really make it in if they if they get their shit together. I think for our clubs, we need a little bit more exposed form than what we've seen we in the last couple of years. Oh, yeah. Um, Brisbane, at least, have been competitive uh, all of last year, really. They were, they were in most matches they played in, so... All power to them and their exciting kids. Who who most impresses you at Brisbane? Um, well, Lincoln McCarthy was incredible. I mean, he's been talked about a little bit through the week. He's only, he played, you know, he was seven years at the Cats and got traded up there. He's he's good mates with. Is he good mates with Lockie Neal? He is good mates with Lockie Neal. So that was a clever little um, trade thing. That... Oh, I heard that whisper through the week that he'd kind of dropped a, a year early that uh, Lockie Neal might be coming up to play with them. Did you hear that? No, I didn't hear that one. That's pretty cheeky. Yeah, I like that. It is cheeky. But um, but he was he was super impressive. He was not a kid per se, but he, you know, seven years on Geelong's list and he's played about 30 games. And they've always talked about him like he's some Robbie Gray kind of character, but he just can't get his body right. And on the weekend, he looked like fucking Robbie Gray. He kicked one from the bloody square, like the centre square and not not the goal square, the centre square and, and did just some really flashy stuff. But Charlie Cameron was amazing. I think Jared Berry's really underrated. McCluggage is classy. McCluggage keeps on keeping on. His his progress has been real steady, and he's he's getting good. He's getting very good. Very solid man. They got Harris Andrews and like Withered in the back line, along with Hodge. To, like it's 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 a pretty solid squad. I think it's it's yeah the potential is being realised, and they're um they're gonna win a lot of games this year. They play like that. They beat the reigning premiers by nearly fifty points. Our friend Hudson, uh, he. He, he he informed me of a nickname for Charlie uh, Cameron, which I hadn't heard before, and I, I love. He, he's oh, most haven't most is like Mo, yeah, Mo, <laughs> yeah. I can't not yeah, see yeah. it. He's now I've heard it. It's like he'll be Mo to me from now on. Friendly most is like kicking goals. Flaming Mo, flaming yeah. Mo. Well, did you see his flaming Mo that he kicked? Did that I one see out of the, it? Oh man, he's unbelievable, dude. <sighs> Unreal Massive. was all was always a huge pickup from um Adelaide, from Brisbane yeah. getting him from Adelaide. Well, they didn't want to like, lose him was... when when we were tra- when we, when we traded bets. Oh no, so when we were first talking to Adelaide about trading Gibbs, that's the player yeah. we wanted, but um they wouldn't. Oh really? Up. Yeah, not at all. No, because mm-hmm. he's insanely talented and he's still young. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Well, all power to Brisbane. Um, the other big Good story you, from the round is got to be Essendon, right? Like you got to talk about Essendon and man. Whoa, boy, oh I am boy, so happy yeah. About this. 
I've got to say, I am as well, man. I don't like to be too mean. And I, we've got a lot of Essendon friends. I don't know why I don't like them. Or I just don't want to see them succeed. I don't know what it is. Like, there's a lot of players that I like there, but something about Essendon um, made me pretty damn happy. I think it's just the, the talk around, you know, them getting shield and all this bullshit. And they're like, yeah, just how confident their fans are. It's like, don't haven't you learned? Don't be confident like that. Don't be an arsehole and be confident when you get a, a good trade go your way because you could come out and lose by 85. <laughs> and look like shit after like getting into the graveyard and ripping on you know GWS is this yeah graveyard for players and then they get absolutely pumped buried and they're gonna they have ni- nightmares they were buried they'll have nightmares they'll be haunted don't go there again and I might say merely as well this is one of the few predictions that we actually got correct from last week but we were both talking about their uh, they're inside mids lack and how they lack, lack thereof. Yeah, that's right. Only mids, only mid strengths, no full strengths there. And they got absolutely pumped out of the center. That was like so many of their goals were from center clearances and it really showed that 666 in action because GWS pumped them in the middle. This is a team that still ha- was without Josh Kelly, you know, and there's another big midfielder mm-hmm. that is... Uh, Oh, uh, um, um, Callan Ward is not in the team at the moment. So it's a scary, the captain. scary good midfield. Incredibly strong. And our boy, Tim Taranto, had a huge game, which is probably indicative of what's to come this year for him. I hope so. Very, very good, good game. Canelio, Caniglio, however you say it, absolute jet. Kind of already know that. And like you said, Callum Ward and Josh Kelly had to come into that team. And they didn't look phased by the Dons at all. Not even slightly. Not at all, right? It was It was... They looked, their effort was so poor. Um, I'll also say as well um, about those those Dons, um, we were talking about their JLT form and how lacklustre it was. And I've made the comparison to when, you know, uh, St Kilda had that poor form last year and we're like, no, 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 we'll get it sorted out. Didn't happen. Essendon looked poor in the JLT. It's only JLT, sure, but their skills looked poor. Their effort wasn't really there. And then that translates to this round one absolute spanking. So a little, a bit scary for them, but I will say, not too keen to have them in round two, the Mighty Saints, because they match up well against us, and I sense that. Okay, you think you think there's payback coming? Do you? Oh, I, I'd assume so, bro. I, I feel like they've always played well against us, even in our you know undefeated 2009 year where we were 15 in a row, whatever. The Dons still beat us that year, and they've got the wood over us for sure. Even in the year when they barely had any players, because they had the whole uh, starter thing going on. They only we only just got over them when they were playing kids, so I, I think that they'll. I wonder why that is? Is it, is it a psychological advantage? Something in uh, for sure, some psychological thing. We don't we don't play well against them. They scare me. Well, they ought to be scared for their year after that performance. We'll see how they go. Round one always throws up some results, and they, it, it, does. it was just crazy that how unready for football they seemed, and they were a slow starter last year. Um, imagine this this week. Against the against the Saints, imagine. Oh, I mean, dude, okay. you're right. There is a there is the potential that they'll beat up on on a uh, team with you know uh, of St Kilda's attributes. Yeah, um, exactly. But lo- there's also <laughs> the demons that might be creeping in if the Saints are there thereabouts at three quarter time. The Essendon players will be imagining the headlines for the for the for the Monday if they lose to the Saints. Oh, dude. That- I reckon it would start to get to your head for sure, and because because what an opportunity for St Kilda, you know, who are still, you know, it wasn't a convincing win against Gold Coast, so no one thinks we're genuinely a good side at all, and you know, use that to motivate you, and then if you get that win over over Essendon, all of a sudden that narrative changes for both teams. All of a sudden, you know, are Essendon terrible, or St Kilda not as bad, or are they both just terrible and the Dons are worse? It's 
It's a, it's a bit of a danger game. It's only round two, but I, I think with, again, the competition being this tight, you need every win you can get. If you, if you lose, if you start zero and two, all of a sudden you need to get that first win. You're zero and three, you're one and, you know, one and three, one and four. It's, it starts to get tough and you're only a month into the, into the season. And let's not forget they missed last year's finals uh, off one, one loss. So that's, let's, and, oh, they may well ruin against? that result. Yeah, yeah which right. which loss really hurt them the most? That's right. <laughs> now, <laughs> speaking of teams that were underperforming and seemed to start slowly and looked underprepared, the Swans, man, they they didn't look like it at all. Did you watch much of this game? Yeah, did I did. I was I was when, once it became pretty clear that the Dogs were were in front and the the and the and then we saw the, the lions were doing what they were doing we switched over and watched a fair bit of that um but i i have um i have watched bits and pieces of the dogs swans game i know they came back late the swans but um from what i saw they didn't look likely interesting yeah and what's your thoughts on the game because this i only caught bits and pieces of this one i didn't really see too much um you know just caught stats and the highlights and a little bit of the first quarter but oh heaney's mark golly gosh say oh that goodness. holy shit incredible um Unbelievable. But uh, yeah, what, what's your two cents on it? Where are the Swans at? Aging. Aging. Their most important players are, are mostly old, apart from, you know, you've got, a, you've got a handful of players who are up and coming and not not many that are A-graders at the age you want A-graders to be. You know, you think about Kennedy, you think about um, Buddy. Um, they're older players now. Um, and it's no surprise that their production levels go down. I mean, there's there's still... They're still going to win some games for them. They're still going to keep them in some games. But if you see a young team full of run, which the Bulldogs were, um, and they're getting they were getting beaten around the clearances. Tom Liberatore makes a big, big difference. He's um, it's it, it's it, I think people forget how much of a clearance beast he was before the first knee Rico and then obviously the second one. Um, and it was wonderful to see him uh, back into some form right in the middle of the ground where he belongs, pu- pulling the footy out from underneath the pack and dishing it out. And the Bont playing in the midfield. I mean, there's been a bit of talk through the week and, and, and over the last little while that the Bont didn't look right last year and, and, and has been maybe carrying some, you know, niggles for a while now. But if if last game's anything to go by, if that's the form he's dishing up, then the Bont is well in the Brownlow race if the – if the dogs can um, give them enough support and they look like they might be able to, those kids are looking good. Aaron Norton, man, that, that's Aaron Norton, uh, yeah. that's that was what I was going to say. He's, he came fourth in their best and fairest last year when he was 18. He was yep. a pick nine from 2017. Yeah. Like he's he's really defying back. the rule of big men taking time. Yeah. He's taken no fucking time. He's straight into it. He doesn't have time for, to take time. He's got to get right into it. It's too big. He's got to be ready to go. He's, He's, he is too big. He's too Look big. He is to big time. <laughs> well, and he, he didn't take long to, you know, make an impact on the scoreboard and up forward, which isn't his natural position. He's played defense his whole juniors and he's come in and they've swung him forward and he's looking like an absolute beast. And having him there, like, as you said, it frees up Bontempelli into the midfield and having Liber back and a bit of Mungrel back as well. Bit of that, bit of that identity. Those yeah. dogs. Sons of the West, too. baby. Yeah, yeah that's right. good tats, good haircuts. <laughs> all about it. Horrible Guernseys, but you know, that's Yeah. It's always whatever there. whatever it takes. I would take Carlton wearing uh, you know, Black Widow Guernseys next week if it meant we got to win up. So all power to them. Um now the Hawks and the Crows, that that 
that, my friend. I am happy about that result as well because I do not rate Adelaide. You don't? No. I do. Okay. I do rate them. So do you think it's, it's, a classic, it's a classic Clarko case? or? I think so. The record, I should have looked into this last week before we fucking, I tipped Adelaide like a dumbass. Clarko's record over Don Pike is like five and one or something like that. Um, so apparently they just don't really lose against Adelaide and they don't lose even over there very often. So I think it's still a bit of that and a bit of round one. I still think Adelaide are going to be dang good. Um, and I know you don't rate them. Um, and also it's good for you that that loss, cause every loss is good for your draft pick switcheroo at the end of the year, the blues and Adelaide I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, man, I, I feel like you tip against Hawthorne at your, at your peril. Uh, every time I nearly should tip. Hawthorne when I really, really want them to lose because I feel like every time I tip against them and I use my logic in my brain, it just doesn't work out. And I, uh, and then my, you know, our good friends, uh, Hudson and Dylan and the rest of those hawkers, all you know, have that smug little Hawthorne thing like, hmm. Little Hawthorne glint in their eye. Yeah. Something that I don't have in my St Kilda eyes at all. The winning glint? No, I've just got like big, dark, deep pools of black <laughs> in my eyes. Pools to the underworld. Yeah, that's right. Pay the ferryman. <laughs> um, but yeah, that was a, uh, they, they looked great. Their defense looked solid. Uh, the Hawks I'm talking about, you know, they were intercepting. Sicily looked really solid. All of their young dudes, again, James Warpool's a uh, little star. I said it to... You know, they have Hawks friends when they drafted him. I thought that was a steal. He was around, you know, the 40s, 41 or 44 or something. He was a Vic Country, like, you know, captain, had that leadership, solid, hard inside midfielder and slipped to the third round. Um, good pickup then. Great pickup now, isn't he? People are getting all over him. Proofs in the pudding and he looks tasty to me. Um, yeah, he is. Jager as well. He's uh, He was the star of that midfield and he was, he was having a hell of a game. Um, I guess it shows you what, he what the why that he was so highly rated and, and how cruel by injury he was and potentially how poor the development was at the Gold Coast in that time. Yeah, they seem to get him pretty right. The Hawthorne medical staff and Andrew Russell, who's of co- who of course has moved over to Carlton now. Yeah, your Jack. boy Russo, Russ. Um, yeah, you know, got his body right. It's taken a couple of years to get him to here to the top gear, but he's he's seeming to be he's back, baby. And you know, I've heard some people talk about the the B word for Jaeger. Yeah, the Carolyn Brownlow word. The Brownlow, a few other. She did. did too. Yeah, she did. That's a hot tip. That's it's pretty bold. Might as well though. Well, if the Hawks um, continue their winning ways, uh, much to the rest of the competition's chagrin, then he uh, he could be right there because he's he'd be the best. He's the best midfielder on their side, and, and we, as we know, it's a midfielder's medal. Mate, it is. It's crazy though, right? Hawks again. Like, oh my God. One Brownlow medalist goes down, which you also traded in a few years earlier, just, you know, cheekily from Sydney for not much. One goes down and then another one just steps up in their place. One troop goes down, another one comes in. It's actually ridiculous. They're so damn good. Uh, look, I'm hoping that one win does not a season make. Uh, it'll be, I'm, I'm based on where I've got Hawks in my ladder, uh, I'm really hoping that he's not. <laughs> that he is not mm. a Brownlow medal contention and he's not, oh, boy, uh, oh boy. He's not there yet. and their Hawks aren't there. Me, me neither. And just on reference to your ladder and my ladder, we'll give at the end of this show, we'll give our, our whole, our tips for the things, our Coleman, our Brownlow medalist, our winners of the season, the wooden spoon. We'll do all that at the end of the show. We've got to do it last week, but I kept it, written it down, haven't changed it, made sure to not change it. I nearly Definitely wanted, wanted to, to. Merely, because I'm a cheating liar, but I didn't. Because I'm boy. actually a good man. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it looks a bit, some of it looks a bit stupid now already, but, you know, I'm going to stick to it. I know my stuff, meal. I know what right. I'm talking about. Yeah, let, mm-hmm. let's not let round one uh, shake us too much to the core. Not at all. Unlike Melbourne, who might let the first round shake them to the core. They could, bro. They could, man. It was, oh boy, I've, I always back them in as well. I, I, I thought the D's were really going to do it, but they, Port Adelaide, maybe that, maybe bold trading is the thing, right? Maybe it's the key. Port traded Wingard, they got Burton, they got these young guys, which we talked up a lot last week, our boy Xavier Dersma. Yeah, kudos to you, man. You were, you were very, um, you were, you were on that straight away last week about um, the synergy, the synergy of those four, four young draft picks and God, they were good. Oh, yes. They were good, man. They, they were really solid, weren't they? Butters, slippery old butters, creamy butters. He was amazing. Connor Rosie did a, did some great things as well. Willem Drew through the midfield. I actually don't really know much about Willem Drew, but he played and he scored 100 in my super coach team, Millie. That's a that's a damn good effort. Um, it's a very good effort. They, they, they were solid, weren't they? And they were just, they seemed a bit too quick for Melbourne and they were getting really into Max Gorn as, as has been well publicised. Yep. They kind of tagged Max Gorn, Scott Lysett. But... I also think with them, uh, much like Adelaide for me, I don't think that's like doom and gloom. I feel like Melbourne will respond. They've got too much talent there to not. And they had a huge, they had a crazy injury ward over the off season. Or they sent a bunch of players to surgery. There was like eleven or something, or more even. I can't remember exactly off season um, surgeries for that team. So they could well just take a bit of time. Um, potentially as a bit of hubris as well. The, the amount of people were talking them up in the preseason. I think that um, it, there's potential that there was arrogance there, and we've seen it before with this Melbourne side the last few years. As soon as they get on the winning way, get they get some winning ways. Um, they tend to drop one they shouldn't. They do, um, and yeah, against a bottom side, or they, what do they do? They drink that bath water that and tasty, get a little bit ahead tasty of there. Bath water. It's so yum, though, bath mm. water. I can understand mm. why they do it. It's delicious. Delicious. But it doesn't help you get those wins, though. No, it doesn't. Speaking of wins, Emil, speaking of wins, Carlton <laughs> didn't get one. No. no. What do you, which is, which is, you know, it's, it's tough. What do you feel? How do you feel about, about that showing, the season opener, traditional rivals, Carlton and Richmond? Good to see at least half a good game of footy for the season over. It's been a bit of a crap affair the last few years, uh, much to everyone else's kind of delight or frustration. Even uh, there's lots been lots of talk about giving away that that game that that traditional season opening Carlton Richmond game. But and honestly, I don't really I don't really care because I like having that game as the start of the round. But I I totally see the arguments against it. Um, I really dislike um, the fact that there are these traditional games i think it makes the fixture kind of unfair i think these marquee games and i'm speaking specifically about anzac day um i think that that really ought to change it's it's a real it's a real pity and 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 it it makes the competition less fair oh totally dude it, it really does you look at um you look at the dons and collingwood who have you know what do they got they got the country round they got the essendon have anzac day that's geelong and um, essendon yeah country round. oh sorry it is, that's right oh it is too and then they have uh, Dreamtime at the G. They got Anzac Day. They got like big money events and they're primetime slots. And all power to Kevin Sheedy because he he is the man who manufactured these big marquee games. That does not mean though that the Essendon Football Club has a, a right to these games for from now until eternity. Now people, I mean, I'm being pretty harsh on Essendon in this episode, but fuck those Dons. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you really don't like the Dons. Fair call, man. Yeah, fuck them. 
<laughs> I, I will say, I will say about the the Carlton Richmond traditional rival season opener. I feel like it's impossible. Like, I think it's a fine game to watch, regardless of where the clubs are in. Right now, they're pretty either ends of the ladder. But these things, it's in constant flux, right? Teams are going to be good and bad one year. You're not always. You can't make a fixture and always get it right. It's just not going to happen. I don't. I don't reckon they need to chop and change that one too much. Maybe some of the others in terms of fairness. I will say we've been uh, banished to the Sunday. Primetime uh, one ten slot for this year, the Saints, and and that is that does make sense. Like we we were terrible and we don't have a massive amount of members, but it's all money, man. This shit's not fair. The AFL is definitely not fair <laughs> from club to club. Unfortunately, um, the 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 Saints showing on Good Friday, uh, their the one crack at a kind of marquee slot was not um up to scratch. So I mean, it, that killed real, us. But yeah, it's a real pity that killed us and it was one of the worst games of football i've ever seen so it's a shame that people who watched that were like you know that's how they kind of see st kilda i think i think that's what people when they think of st kilda they think of that game that's that that sums us up which yeah. it kind of did last year well yeah this, this is this is a point um in terms of any that other game, notes yeah look yeah. uh in, i'm i'm very uh proud of the fact that after 40 points scored against us without a, really a whimper from the Blues. Um, I'm really proud of the fact that they were able to come back from that and get within a couple of kicks. Um, and I think that uh, it, it shows that they're a young team who are still learning to play as a team and, and build cohesion and, and that Richmond are the exact opposite. They're a team who have been solid as a, as a core group of players um, for the best part of three or four years. Um, and that really pays off. I, 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 the Rance injury was really, um, really sad. Oh. Really, really sad. Um, Super sad, man. The way he handled that, though, like, and it's been talked about, but what a dude, man. He's one like, of the game's great characters. Such a lovely, lovely, handsome man. He, like, that is, that is the way to handle yourself when you go down with an injury. And that's someone who's got their shit together outside of football, right? Like, football's not everything. He's got his perspective. He's got a real good perspective on his life. Um, yeah, that was... Do you know what, as well? Another one we called last week. Do you remember you changed your tip to Carlton and I, and, and I was like, oh, you know, man, well, <laughs> I feel really bad now because it happened. But it was like, you know, maybe Dusty, someone will go down with an ACL. And it Rance. happened. It did. Rance, man. I didn't want Rance to go. I didn't want any of them to go down with ACLs. No. Maybe there's some kind of power merely that... You know, doing some podcast, it gives you this little, you know, maybe some insight. You put it out into the atmosphere no, and something. Put happens. it out there. Yeah, put it out there. Oh, Zach Merritt. Zach Merritt. Pause there one second. Out. I've lost your feed. Hmm. My Skype feed. Hey guys, we had a little, uh, a little internet issue there because we do live in Australia and we're doing this over Skype, but we're back, baby. We're back. If we were in Hungary, we wouldn't have a problem. I know, which is ridiculous. We could be doing this out of Budapest. We'd be all sweet. Just have a yeah, view. Man. On the free Wi-Fi outside in this bloody city. Square. I know, right? Looking over the Danube River. It'd be fucking beautiful. We should definitely do a live show. The Danube. Oh, oh. Stunning. That's it. it. Well, if we get, if we raise enough funds, we'll fly to Hungary and do a live show. That'd be awesome for all the fans. <laughs> the natural <laughs> location for a footy podcast. Yeah, that's right. Downtown Budapest. Yeah. Oh. To watch the Budapest Bulldogs take on the... What else, what else you got? Yeah, I was, I was waiting for that second one. It's like, this is, this is going to be interesting. I don't know anywhere else in Hungary except for Budapest. Uh, the, the Danube, the no, Danube Dolphins. Break. There it is. 
There you go. There you go. Go the Dolphins. Uh, where were we? We're talking about Richmond and their injuries. Yes. Yeah. Uh, you did. You did. You did make a horrible prediction, and the fact that when you put things out on the internet in a in a podcast setting, perhaps there's an opportunity that maybe somewhere something happens. Oh, maybe, man. And, and and so I hope you know. Maybe Zach Merritt can win the flag this year. Maybe can't win the flag. Maybe this week Zach Merritt gets the flu. I don't know. Maybe St Kilda make the eight. Maybe. There you go. Just keep saying it. Maybe St Kilda win. This is, this is the Trump method. St Kilda win the whole thing. Maybe. Maybe Carlton versus St Kilda in the granny. Oh, let's buy our tickets now. <laughs> oh, del- Guaranteed AFL. Delusional boys. Yeah. Um, on the rants issue, I think that, and, and what I was talking about before in terms of uh, Richmond being a well-drilled and cohesive club, nowhere is that more apparent than their back line. I, don't, I think that they'll be able to cover rants uh, to a degree because there's only so much you can do when like a defender of his caliber goes out of a team, but the way their team defense is structured and the way that they work for each other in that back line is unlike, uh, unlike anything I've seen in footy. Like I was at the game on, on Thursday night last week and to see that, to be there and see it uh, live, cause you don't get that sense of it on the broadcast, of course, cause you're not seeing the full game, but to watch their defenders work as a group and get body position on, on the Carlton forwards was insanely good. Uh, it just meant that whenever the ball was coming down, they, they had front spot in, you know, three, three or four of the, the potential contests that were coming. Um, it was, it was really remarkable to watch and just showed you what you need to do and how closely you need to work together to be that kind of defensive unit where they will miss rants. I think is not so much in the man on man defense and team defense, but it's in the rebounding. Um, his, setting up a play, I don't think is uh, easily replaceable. No, he's, he, he will be sorely missed, but I, I agree wholeheartedly on, on their, the ability to cover, you know, they've got, they've got ex captain, ex Melbourne captain, Dylan Grimes, who's an absolute jet and Asprey. And these guys are solid. They'll, they'll be fine. Injuries happen to everyone. They, they just, Richmond hasn't really had an injury like this for two years. Like, so it'll be interesting to test them, but you know, a Rance goes down and a Tom Lynch comes in and kicks three goals out of like five touches. Like that. Yeah. And he didn't look right to me. He looked, he looked a bit, uh, hampered by his injury and slow. Interesting. Just, that, that run you see of Lynch's up the ground, back down the ground, up and down, up and down. Like maybe he's playing a different role with the Tigers or maybe he's playing a different role because of his injury. I don't know, but he just, he looked a bit proppy for, from where I was sitting. Yeah. Right. Okay. That's interesting. Cause yeah, he wasn't in, involved as much as people thought he would be. No, he, he did kick those goals, but, um, he kind of bobbed up for them rather than being an influential player in their forward half. Um, aside from that, he wasn't, he wasn't everywhere. That's for sure. Right. Now, um, we kind of, that's, that's the round. Um, the only game we didn't really talk about is the, is Collingwood versus Geelong, which is, is noteworthy because, uh, well, oh, geez, we were wrong it. again. And again, we talked yep. about, you know, Geelong, they're a bit of a Sydney and a Hawthorne. We, we did say that a little disclaimer at the end, like, look, we're probably going to be wrong here and Geelong will come out and that'd be great. But geez, we, we were very wrong. They, Collingwood had a heap of chances. They had so many chances and they just didn't capitalise. And it's that classic thing where you feel it's going to come back the other way and you're like, well, you didn't take those chances. When the momentum swings, look out. But full credit to the Cats, they got them. They got them good, man. Yeah, and a, and a younger, less experienced midfield took on the midfield that people rate as the best in the comp. And won. I know, dude. Um, so 
props to them. You didn't really see much of danger um, in the set from center squares a few times. Um, same with Selwood. Ablett, not Ablett much was in the forward. Um, he, although he was productive, he was busy. I liked I liked to look at that. It was great. He, he was, see. wasn't he? Um, but yeah, but they they really they really gave um, gave the gave those uh, pies something to think about. Um, Maybe some demons remaining from last Maybe. year's Maybe the Collie Wobbles. They could be back, Mealy. I, I, I highly doubt it'll last too long because, again, too much talent on every line for that to be a thing. They've got a few players to come back. But, yeah, they, they got beaten by some some pretty young players. Like you said, Jordan Clark looked really great from Geelong. He's a, he's a funny character. From He's from WA. He's the, he's the little player who... Um, um, was like really high level cricket player and kind of made a decision in his you know draft year or twelve months out that he wanted to focus on football and still win it in a, in the first round. So he's really solid. Charlie Constable was like pick thirty something the year before. He came in, kicked a goal, had like nineteen odd touches, looked great, like a really solid game. Didn't get a game last year. Don't Constable, did he? think so. Fringe VFL for a long time, doing really well. Just didn't have the space. So it's good to see they're getting in there and a coach who can mix it up, like Scott, like Chris Scott can. You know, you can. It's not predictable. It wasn't the holy trinity in there. Selwood wasn't in there in the centre much at all. They were, they really were spread out. It was, it was very interesting. Um, do you have any other thoughts on that game? Only, only that Jamie Elliott is uh, a gun and is so important to Collingwood. Even though he wasn't there last year, he's he's if if they go better this year, it's it's it'll be partly because he has a big year. He's huge to watch, isn't he? He's an absolute machine. Um, yeah. There is actually one game, Millie, that we haven't really touched on. It's a very important game. Those Mighty Saints. We've got to go, I reckon we'll probably use about maybe 30, 45 minutes this back end of this podcast. On the Saints, on the Saints and, and the Suns. On the game of the round, of course. There's so much to talk about. Everyone's invested. There's a lot of material there. <laughs> Did you, I oh, see so you, you, you watched it. What? Man, I watched it on the replay. That's amazing. That's full commitment. In shitty quality because Foxtel sucks because you, when you replay a game, you don't get it in high definition. You get it in bloody standard. That's gross. I don't know if KO's any It better. is better it's, it's, and I can give you my... It is. You get replays in high def? Yeah, you do. Yep. I'll give you my details oh. off air or maybe I'll wish from through now. I'll give you my credit card deeds, all the stuff you need. Okay. Right, 5217-3989. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you know the rest. I'll tell them to you later. Uh, yeah, that one that one replays it in HD. But yeah, so what what are your thoughts? Because that's commitment by a, not a Saints or Gold Coast fan. That's 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 good commitment. I was uh, a lot of there was a lot of talk this week about um, especially in the early games that 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 there was a pretty low skilled kind of few games. Which I mean, there were some fumbles. It's round one that's going to happen. I I think the humidity in Melbourne played a big part in that too. Those first two nights were hot and sweaty. Um, so I'm not overly surprised there was a, there were a few fumbles in there. Um, I thought this game was not, it didn't look like a 17th and 18th place clubs. They played pretty well. And I don't know. I, I, um, I was pretty impressed, honestly. I, I, I thought, I think that the saints towards the end did their best to, to lose it almost. Did. They, they didn't, yeah. they, they were shaky. They were shaky right at the end there. And, but with all the doom and gloom people talk about in regards to Gold Coast, I, there was some. There's a lot to like about that team still. They've still got some really interesting players, and and they're going to be. They're not going to be the walkovers that people assume they are. 
Um, I don't think, anyway. Not at all. And particularly not at the start of the season. Gold Coast, historically, in their short history, have had pretty good um, starts to the season when they've got fresh players. And that's when they can cause some upsets. So particularly at the start, they're not just going to roll over. They had some fight. And talking about the 666, I'll give you know my little two cents on this Saints game. When we had our Ruckman, Lewis Pierce, who's a young, he's you know only five games in. When he wasn't on the ground, we didn't have a backup Ruck. And we had Brucey, Josh Bruce in there. Um, Jared Witts was just monstering him and they were like pretty clean out of the, out of the center with a pretty mismatched kind of midfield and, and kicked five straight in the first quarter, just five straight and was kicking yeah, this, them, kicking them from everywhere. This is I noted down actually. I was going to ask you about this. I did notice Joshy Bruce playing in the rock. And I Not good. Looks, Not good. No. I mean, he's a tall, he's actually quite tall, but he, he, you can tell that he doesn't have the right craft. Not against the proper Ruckman, not against a Wits or like a Grundy or a Gorn or, or some of these big units, maybe against, you know, other people's seconds or some shorter Ruckman, but, but no, no, not when he's getting monstered by these dudes, it, it didn't work. And we, we got absolutely cleaned up out of the center in that first quarter. Um, and like I said, they were kicking them from everywhere, but at one point it was like five or I think it was six one versus six one, so it was accurate football, and it was actually it was actually a contest. Like you say, Gold Coast aren't going to roll over at the moment, and St Kilda aren't either. Like they, for all for all the talk through the week, even though it's classic Saints, and I know it's Gold Coast, but even when we won, everyone's like, "Oh yeah, you only fucking just I'm you only just. just won though." Like you're still shit. It's like in a round where there was like six upsets, like we're not going to get, we're not going to get much. We won't get many accolades, but I'm sure most of the people that shat all over the game, I saw Wayne Carey's fucking tips today. Didn't even watch the game, but you can comment about it. And he said it at the start. He's like, I didn't watch this one, but this is what I think. It's like, well, you can't really have a fucking opinion. You dumbass. If you haven't watched the game. Oh, look, Wayne Carey doesn't deserve an opinion in football. Not anyway. at all. Not at all. But yeah, he's, yeah. <laughs> no. Um, but yeah, dude, we got to win. I don't care. Four points, whatever. And like I said about um, us last week with just getting wins and getting a winning culture, that's really important for us. So a couple of wins in the JLT. I said it the, last week, didn't I? If we, if we if we roll in like this, this is the only way we're going to knock off a team like Essendon is if we have those JLT wins, we get a little confidence in Gold Coast, whatever. It was a one-point win. A, a lesser St Kilda or a last year St Kilda, we wouldn't have held on that last quarter. But we did in this one. You know, we, we, we managed to get the win. So that, that's the important thing. So if we're any chance to beat the Dons, we had to kind of win these games and we're starting to get used to doing that and hopefully that puts us in good stead. I still think the Dons will win, but we're in a far better position than if someone said, who do you reckon, Dons or Saints, two weeks ago? It's a lot harder to call now. Oh, very much so. Um, Gresham, man, I was very impressed by Gresham. He's, he's, he's a gun. He's a gun. He's a Absolute gun. He's, gun. He's the clearest uh, one in the Saints. We talked about those players who need to take a step up. Like he's taking those steps, and he is showing why he was hyped and why he was a high, high, a pretty high pick. You know, he's he's got skills. That kid. He's super classy, isn't he, man? He's he's our X factor. He's the guy that like. Um, that, you know, brings people to the games for the club. He's, and he's out of contract this year. So I reckon they're going to, they'll offer him a pretty good deal because he's, he's one of our only players who can really change a game. He, he's kicked bags against the last three times he's played the Tigers. And this is in through the 2018, 17, he's kicked 15 goals against them. Like he can, he can carve up in the forward line and he's played midfield his whole juniors. He's just been putting the forward in the AFL to gets the tank. So now they're throwing him in the mid a little bit. 
He might only get 16 touches in a game, but they are some damn good touches. And you look at what happens. There's, you know, assists, like goal assists and inside 50s. And he's very clean, man. I really hope we retain him, which I I imagine we would. I think that they'll be able to offer him uh, enough that he'll, surely he'll stay. He's he's such an important player for them. More important to the Saints than he would be at other clubs. Therefore, his pay packet should probably reflect that. Um, I was pretty impressed by... uh, What's his name? Clark? Is it Clark the, um, no, um, sorry, uh, no, the, the mature age. Oh, Matty Parker. Rookie. Matthew Parker. That's right, Parker. Mate. Best on, best on ground at halftime. He was leading the rankings point at halftime. It's his first game. He'd kick two goals and he'd, he just did some follow-up stuff that was just some pressure stuff that was just first class and it made a massive impact. And he also kicked two out of bounds on the floor because he was absolutely loving his time playing football. It was fucking great to see just a raw dude looking around at the crowd. Like he was, you could see he had that look in his eyes. It's just like, I can't believe this is happening to me. I'm, I'm, this is happening to me, I'm here. which is so nice to see. I'm here. He's here. And he'd kick two bloody goals. Like, and use the ball well and use his pace. Really love that. We talked about last week, these mature age draft picks from, you know, from the Waffle and the, from the VFL and the state leagues. It's so great. Yeah, to quote you, where's our Tim Kelly? Well, hopefully you found one. That's right. Here he is, Matty Parker, MP400. Yeah, I hear MP400. that's his nickname. <laughs> that's his Instagram handle, right, MP400. Right. It's pretty trappy. Oh, of course. <laughs> yeah. Well, probably anyway. a Fortnite handle too. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's the Saints for you. There it is. Premiers for 2019. Boom. Boom. Putting it out in the universe. Uh, mm-hmm. Let's jump straight into round two. Yeah. Let's go into predictions. Yeah. Let's have some some tips. Let's. Um... All right. No, I haven't made my predictions yet, so I'm doing it all on the fly. Uh, so Ooh. you go first. And you, you can. I'll, I'll be convinced by the strength of your arguments, or I'll all or right. I'll decide to be a maverick. You are a bit of a maverick, Millie. Let's jump in around two. So tomorrow night, because we're recording this on Wednesday, tomorrow night at the MCG, Thursday, 7.20. Prelim rematch. It's the rematch, baby. Round two. Boom. Uh, so, yeah, I've got the Tigers in Collingwood. Um, I, for one, a little, you know, maybe it's controversial. I'm picking Collingwood, Neil. I feel like um, I feel like Collingwood, you know, they had their, their chances last week. They didn't fully capitalise. A little bit of round one. Rust, their their team is super strong. I think that um, Grundy's going to monster in the ruck. Um, and I think they'll come away with the win by 10 points. I, I think that Richmond, it's nothing to do with the Rance thing. It's nothing to do with, there's not too much logic to it because, you know, there's nothing logical about football at the moment. Just fucking pick one. But I think, yeah, I think the Pies are going to win. I'm tipping them. Underdogs. That's a good argument. I think that... With Rance out, there is I, I have no doubt in Richmond's ability to cover him over the season, but for a couple of games, there are bound to be some chinks in that Richmond defense. There's, there are bound to be. And Collingwood is excellent at exploiting that kind of thing and riding momentum. They've always been a good club like that at that. They've, they've, whenever they get the win behind them, they they can they can pick that up and run with it. Um Good metaphor there. Whenever they get the wind behind them, they can pick it up and run with it. Anyway, um, <laughs> that's my AFL eloquence. Beautiful. Um, it's beautiful imagery, Emil. Beautiful. Thanks, thanks, buddy. Um, now, I think that it's going to be tight, but I also think that there's no club, although Hardwick and the Richmond Football Club are just talking about it like it's any other game. From the individual players' point of views, 
There is no club they will be more prepared for than Collingwood. They will be doing everything right, everything right to come out against Collingwood and win the game because of what happened last year. Um, so I've got to go with the Tigers on this one because of those reasons. I think that they will, Collingwood will be right in it as they should be. Um, the Rance factor, Rance will be a factor um, b- because of his absence and, and because Collingwood will, will exploit that because they've got a very interesting forward setup. Um, but if any club is d- ready to defensively, it's going to be the Tigers. Um, and I, I think they'll do enough to get over the line. Bam, point of difference right there. I like it. First first game of the round. Um, uh, the second one is the Swans versus Adelaide at the SCG on Friday, 7.50. Traditional rugby ground, the SCG. Oh, it's just beautiful. We love our SCG, us Sydney folk up here, me in the Western suburbs, oh, yeah. Croydon boy. Um, mm. Mm, so I, th- I have my feeling here is that it will be an Adelaide Crows victory. Again, I'm going an underdog, but, you know, what do the bookies or the media people know at the moment? Nothing, I reckon, merely. Um, the Swans haven't got a good record at the SCG or at home. Last year, they were, like, appalling. I can't remember what it was. Six, um, one and six or something really, really bad. Don't know the actual figures. It's a roundabout kind of podcast we're running here, Me, I'm going to throw all sorts of numbers and <laughs> figures at you in words. Um, but I, yeah, they weren't very good at home last year. And, and I think Adelaide, I think that was a little blip this round one. I reckon they're going to get it together. I still, I still think they're going to be like a really, really good side this year. And the Swans, not that I watched a heap of it. So I'm sounding like a bit of a Wayne Carey with an opinion about a game I didn't watch much of, but it's not like you're getting paid for that opinion at least. No, that's right. I'm doing this in like a tiny little room in Croydon, um, in like a sunroom. I'm hot. I mean, it's too hot in here. I don't, there's no air con. Yeah, I'm not getting paid for my opinion. I can say whatever the fuck I want. And I'm saying the Crows are going to win. Fuck you, Wayne Carey. Well, I can't, I can't, I can't disagree with your last point, but I'm, 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 all, I'm all in favour there. But I think that the Swans are going to get oh, up. Shit, who, I, who? Yep. Man, we, we're diverging here. I think that the turf is going to play, um, play have, 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 a, have an impact on this game because it's torn up. It's, it's a... It's not a beautiful carpet like the MCG. Or like Having Marvel. rugby games there has a big impact on how the game's going to be played. The ball's going to be bubbling up all over the place. And Sydney have are a hard team at the contest. And they've been good traditionally at winning tight games, especially games in the wet, games where the conditions don't suit. And I think because of that, um, that the Swans are going to be better at adapting to those conditions. Whereas... Adelaide, I don't know. I think that um, they, their reliance on their tall forwards is going to be such that um, they're not going to be getting the cleanness of, of um, disposal, especially in that smaller ground. The, the entries aren't going to be as pure and clean and beautiful as, as they would be wanting. So I'm going for the Swans in this one. That's a good point. And Adelaide, were, were their entries even last week at their home ground weren't great. They were getting cut off a lot. A lot of intercept um, possessions in the back line in Hawthorne's. Uh, back on. So that's a good point. I'm going to stick with my guns though. Adelaide, baby. Um, I'm also on the, I'm also on the Adelaide are not as good as people are predicting train. So I'm going to yeah. hold on to my ticket on that one. Yeah. Interesting. All right. The ninth place St. Kilda Saints versus the 18th place Essendon Bombers at the Marble Stadium on at 4.35. The only afternoon game on the Saturday. Yeah. Weird one. Weird, weird time. Um, uh, well, the reason is they shuffled they shuffled it around for the um, AFLW yeah. and then they decided not to use the time that they'd allocated and do it on a Sunday instead. Stupid. That's stupid. 
Um, yeah, that was silly. Um, I, I'm gonna, I'll be pretty short on this one. I, it's, uh, I'm gonna say the Dons are gonna win because the aforementioned uh, information about how well they match up against us, something in our psyche. I feel like they will probably rebound, and St Kilda are a, are a great team to play yourself back in a form to. They really are. They're one of those ones that people like. Oh, cool! They became they came good for us, um, and I reckon that's going to happen. So I reckon Essendon, and I hope I'm by me being a bad fan, a realist fan, that I'm somehow affecting that thing, really, and I'm tipping the Dons, and then the Saints win. If St Kilda were at full strength, given the loss that Essendon have just had, I would be backing the Saints here because I think that there's a chance that, that there's a chance that they'd stick in it long enough that the that the you know the little voice in, in those Don's players' heads would be be arcing up right at the end there and they could get over the line. But without those players, I ju- I don't know, I don't see it. So I gotta go with the Dons on that one too. Agree with you and agree with you on the sentiment that um if we're full strength it would be a different story. And agree with you that the only way we're gonna win is if we're if it just gets into Essendon's head and we just have nothing to lose and we're close in the fourth quarter. It's the only way it's going to happen. Bam. Um, what have we got? Next game is at Adelaide Oval, 5.10 p.m. Uh, in Australian Eastern Standard Time. It's the Port Adelaide Power taking on the might of the Carlton Blues. Oh, yeah. Um, how do you guys normally match up? How do you normally match up against Port? Uh, not bad over the last few years. Um, uh yeah, we, we do all right. We do all right. Um, over there, though, we don't have a great record. We haven't played that many times at the Adelaide Oval, and um, we have won a game there, but only one, um, if my memory serves. Um, St Kilda have won so, none, just for the record. No wins in Adelaide Oval. Right, right, right. Um, look, I don't... Th- they're a young side in some respects, but they have more pieces of the puzzle than we do where we're, we're much younger across the board. And I don't know if we've got it in us to sustain four quarters of really good football, which is what it looks like it's going to take to beat the power. If, if last week is anything to go by, um, I'd love for the blues to get up and I, you know, I wouldn't be, I think the fact that, the AFL Carlton's AFLW side is over there and playing in a grand final the next day. And I, the teams will be in the same city at the same time. And it's mad March in Adelaide, but you know, it's just been fringe in the festival and whatever else. So who knows what will happen over there? Um, it's a wacky time. It's a wacky time for wacky Adelaide. Time. Things are topsy turvy. I, I, I'd like to, I'd like to think that they, that the blues would get some belief from and, and spirit from the, from the women's side over there playing in, the, in, a, in their first grand final the following day. But, I, I'm tipping against them. I, I wish I wasn't, but I am. Uh, I'm say the port. Look at us, bro. What's happened? No confidence in our clubs. Not that we ever had it at all for our whole lives. So nothing's really happened. Nothing's changing. We still suck. And I am tipping Port Adelaide as well. <laughs> um, yeah. I, yeah. I'm tipping Port. Not a heap to say. I like the look of their game. Those young players, they're, they're solid, dude. Their players look great. I'd love for Carlton to get over him though, just to really mix this season up. And I'm, I don't like the Carlton bashing for my friend Emil here. You know, I don't want to see you and I down in the dumps of all this trash talk about our beautiful, beautiful, successful, lovely clubs. Um, but yeah, I think but reality is reality. It mate. is. It is. That's right. You know, and wish it. So I reckon Port are going to win. Ne- yep. Next game. Uh- GMHBA Stadium, uh, Melbourne taking on Geelong at home. Um, 
this is an interesting game. Yeah, it is. And I and I uh, this is this is one that last season when they played each other, it came down to um, when it was early on in the season. Remember that it was this is the one that Maxi Gorn missed after the siren down at GMHBA, which was a nightmare. Yep. Um, and I and they they these two clubs match up pretty well. I think I think Melbourne, you know, genuine genuinely have a, a bit of the wood over over the cats. Um, and I don't know if I'm being stupid again, but I've got a few upsets here, Millie. I've learned from round one. I'm tipping Melbourne. I feel like they'll they'll kick back into gear once they've been um, abused in the media, like they have about their hardness at the contest and their physicality and their and you know when someone has a, a tagging job on Max Gorn and gives does does a number on him like they did last week. I don't think that's going to happen again. Uh, and I reckon Melbourne will come out super strong at the contest. And it seems like a silly pick because Geelong have a incredibly good record down at GMHBA. But I think that Melbourne are going to win. What do you think of that? I think that your reasoning is sound, but I got to disagree with you, Bart. I, this is good, man. We got I a reckon, lot of point of difference here. Normally we're just like the same yeah. person, really, just spouting out the same shit. But this is good. <laughs> our tips are going to be, um, well, we're going to see things are going to sh- be shaken up at the end of this round in terms of our tips. Yeah. Um, I think that, I think that Geelong, are, I mean, I'm, let me see. I, I think that the, the Melbourne midfield doesn't look right. Um, Jones doesn't look right. Viney doesn't look right. A, a lot of their players look a bit behind the eight ball in terms of their preparation and, and, um, that I just don't look quite fit enough yet. And Geelong looked the opposite. They looked full of zip. They looked ready to go. Um, and I think that down there, they've got that home ground advantage, um, which you spoke about. Um, I, I still think that that ground holds some demons for the demons. Uh, I don't know if they've, have they won down there since that record thrashing that, um, you know, that, that was like, you know, it was 130 something points a few years ago. I remember um, that game Melbourne took. Yeah. And I couldn't tell you. I don't know if they've won down there since then. Mm. Um, and I, and I think that the streak's going to continue. I'm back in the cats. Meow, merely another one. Um, what have we mm-hmm. got? We got Saturday night. Giant. Oh, Giants West coast over at Optus. This, this is, is game, game of the round. round. Oh, there it is. Mm-hmm. I don't know if Skype actually synced that up, but we definitely said that at the same time, merely this is game of the Skype. round. I reckon, um, it's going to be huge. Yep. And you know, West Massive. coast coming back, unfurling the unveiling that flag. The flag. It's going to be beautiful. We all love a flag unfurling. Um, and the giants of course look delicious against the Dons. Um, and they also might get back Josh Kelly. So that's a pretty handy in for the week. West Coast, you know, what I observed last week with, with West Coast is they really struggled. They kicked, I think they kicked one goal after quarter time, maybe one, one goal after halftime or something like that. But they really struggled to score without, without uh, Kennedy and Rioli. And, of course, they still have Gaff out and Nat Nui. So there's reasons. There's some very good players. But they won the premiership without Gaff and Nat Nui. So... You know, Kennedy's a huge one, but they couldn't score, dude. They really struggled to score. It'll be a different story at Optus, but I think the Giants are really coming along nicely. Um, and they're looking like they're ready to party, and they're going to go over there and spoil that unfurling. They're going to shit all over that banner. They might even take it home with them, steal it, and I, rain on the West Coast parade. I think they will. Yeah, they hate parades. Yeah, the Giants. So I reckon they're going to win. I'm tipping them. Another underdog. I'm I'm in absolute agreement with you, Bart. I think that um the the smelling their own farts afterglow West Coast Eagle Premiership hangover continues for another round, mm-hmm. and those Giants, whom I predicted to win the Premiership you this did. year, I think you they're did. going. I think they're going to um come out on top. Big time. 
Nice. Nothing more needs to be said. Nope. Um, Sunday. Sunday games. One ten. The favourite time slot. North and Brizzy uh, down in Melbourne at Marvel. Um, will North get over their? Will they be able to put their horrible loss over in the West behind them and um, and 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 use their own home ground advantage to take uh, take it to the the Lions? Or are the Lions just a better team now? And and North, who knows? I've got an answer for that. It's it's no. The the Roos won't come back from that round one defeat and. They will not be beating Brisbane Lions. I think the Lions looked damn sharp, um, as we've talked about. So, um, again, bit of a Wayne Carey. Didn't watch a heap of the the, uh, the North Freo game, so I don't have a really, really good insight there. But from what I've looked at, you know, Ben Brown struggled. They struggled to score. They struggled to move the ball freely. I, I, I think they'll have a couple ins this week that I don't know why Paul Ahern or Ahern was, was an omission for this round one team. I reckon he'll come back in. Um, but I think I think um, I think Brisbane played pretty well at Marvel. They're not too intimidated by playing in Melbourne. There, I think they they, they play pretty good football there. Um, so yeah, I'm tip, I'm tipping the Lions. I can't believe the Lions are um, uh, underdogs in terms of like bookies. They're like two dollars forty or something, and they beat the reigning premiers. And you know, North. I know it's at home, but they they didn't look great. It's it's interesting. I reckon the Lions are going to win. No, nothing about that Lions victory. Uh, looked streaky to me. It looked methodical. It looked based, it was based on work rate and effort. Um, and it wasn't fluky. It just wasn't. Um, so I, I agree with you. Another one where we're together on there, but I, um, it's nice to agree on a few things. The Lions keep their winning ways, uh, and, and take it to the, take it to the ruse and, and get it over them. 320 at the MCG, the Hawks take on the Bulldogs. Interesting game. Very interesting game. It's uh this this also could be a bit of a left of field game of the round. I mean, it might be a really interesting one. They've had some cracking games over the last few years, these two clubs. Some really good ones. They have. Um Oh god, here they are. The Hawks merely do it. I I I'm gonna tip them, man. I'm tipping the Hawks. So Maybe it's that thing. Maybe it's that reversal that, you know, I'll tip them, then they lose. I hope that's the case because they're just so damn good and they keep on winning and I don't have them in my eight, but I think Hawthorne will win against the Dogs at the MCG on Sunday. Um, yeah. What are, you, what are your thoughts? I'm, I'm really tempted to pick the Dogs in this one. I, I'd love oh, the Dogs to I'm, win. I agree. I'd love them to win. I don't want Hawthorne to win. Yeah, it's probably more that than it is based on common sense. Um, logic will prevail today uh, and I'm going to tip the Hawks too. Or, But if I, 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 I tell you this much, if the dogs get up over Hawks on Sunday, then I'm going to allow a little bit more emotion in my tipping from here on out. I like it. We've, we always need a little bit more emotion in everything really, merely, but particularly tipping. We need a, a, a hot amount of passion in your tips. Gut instinct. That's right. Well, speaking it, of which, there was an excellent article today by Bob Murphy in the Age about uh, about the new face of masculinity and emotion in football, and oh. I, I I would suggest it to everyone in, to read. I think it's a really beautiful beautiful piece from young up and coming writer Robert Murphy. Robert Robert Murphy. I think he was a bit of a bit of a player back in the day. Last game of the round, uh, definitely not game of the round. Suns versus the Dockers up at Metricon. I think that. The Fremantle Dockers, if they play anything like they played on the weekend, will be too strong for Gold Coast. Um, I think their midfield will be a, a real problem for the, for the Gold Coast. Gold Coast also had a couple of injuries. They lost Ben Ainsworth, which is a real loss. He's a pick four from a few years ago, and he's very, very good. I reckon this would have been 
or this it still could be his injury might be four to six weeks, but this could be a big year for him, and that's a big loss. And Andrew Swallow hurt himself as well. They both still played out the game, but so I'm not sure if Swallow will play or he might be playing a bit sore, a bit proppy. But with Fremantle's midfield up and about and with Fife in full flight, I think they'll be pretty tough to beat. Um, but I don't think the Suns will roll over easy. As you said, I don't, I don't think it's going to be like a blowout game. I reckon they will win by within 30 points. 20, 26 points, mate. 26 points. You've heard it here first. 26 points, as said by Bart Welch. Um, 26. Boop. You're right. Gold Coast don't have enough top-end senior talent to cover a couple of losses like that. Um, that being said, I, I have a suspicion that this could this new game plan of the Dockers could just be something the competition does not suspect um, and is going to take a lot of teams by surprise. I reckon... Have, yeah, I, I don't want to get fooled into a round one, you know, misprediction. Um, but I, I just have a feeling that the Dockers, um, who have gone underrated for a, a, over the offseason completely, I, I suspect that they're going to be quite good. I didn't have them anywhere near my top Dude. eight in, um, prior to the season. But right now, if I had to pick it, I, I given that bit of information, I think that they're going to be good this year. And um, I'm tipping them to beat the Gold Coast by a bit, somewhere in the region of 50 points. Wowee. Give me a specific number. 26 V, 50, 48. 48. There it is. Which is funny. If we could get an audio grab from last week about us being like, the Dockers aren't going to be any good. Mur, mur, mur. And then <laughs> and then what we just said then about the Frio Dockers and their aggressive attacking style of play, high scoring Dockers. Pretty funny. Pretty funny. It is pretty funny, but this is this is, if this is like if you know new game style could be a whole thing. But Absolutely. I think this is, I think I'd be the first person to ever say this before. But a week is a long time in football. Holy there shit! Say it again. That's amazing. A week say it again. Is a long time in football. It fucking is. You should say that more. That makes it. It makes a lot of sense. It really is. Yeah. Well, I'm going to copy. Not, that. I think it's, not I think for um, worse. not for whoever we're talking about. Oh, Aaron Norton. No, he doesn't have time for that shit. No yes. time for a week in no football. Time at all. No, he just gets straight in there, gets cracking. Um, well, t- talking about predictions and predictions that we were so horribly off with last week, which we didn't change for this week, do we want to lead in and read our our hot hot tips, our, our little hot tips, and then do you want to wrap this bad boy up, episode two? Yes, I do. Um, look, last week was a bit long uh, of an episode. This week will yes. be too. It's, we're, early in, we're early in the season. We're, um, yeah. we're going to get fitter. We're going to get tighter. Um, but, you know, just bear that in mind. Um, right. Yes, we'll trim it all down. We'll get it we r- real tight. All right, okay. predictions. Uh, my preseason predictions. Uh, for the premiership, I decided that the Gold Coast Suns, no, I'm kidding, um, GWS oh, are going to be <laughs> the team to take it out. They don't have the weight of expectation this year, but they have an incredibly imposing team led by, if not the best and the second best midfield in the comp, um, and just talent everywhere you look. I think that they've probably... Being ex- they would have expected to have walked into some success over the journey, given the amount of um, uh, high draft picks they have. They haven't been able to do that. They've they've gone high, but they haven't ever taken that next step. I think with the weight of expectation off them this year, there's going to be is going to be their year. Um, wooden spoon, no surprises here. I'm saying the Gold Coast Suns um, yep. for obvious reasons. You can't lose both your co-captains in the off season and uh, and 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 still be the same team the next year and the same and the team from last year was garbage so they're only gonna get worse um 
For the Brownlow medal, I'm predicting Angus Brayshaw wins it. I think that Ooh. helmet there. Yeah, yeah um, makes you, you makes you more noticeable. It. Yeah, that's, that's right. right. You're more noticeable. That's it. The umpire see. Who's that flashing by with that sweet helmet? That fashionable lid. Yeah. Brayshaw, cool. Good, good guy, Angus Brayshaw, for the win. Yeah, I'd be happy with it. Me too. Uh, he's a lovely I'm, guy. I'm, I'm most sad that he's not on the AFL Exchange podcast anymore. I'm very, I'm very sad about that. Mm. Yeah, that is, that is a shame. Uh, for the Coleman, I am going to predict Josh Kennedy from the West Coast Eagles. Um, yep, Josh Kennedy. I think the, that's... The, it really explains itself. Yeah, you, it makes sense. He's won it twice before. The reason he didn't win it the third time, he had an injury, could have gone three in a row. Yeah, he's a really good pick. I, I know him. He's good. <laughs> Jack Revolt, I think he'll be... Uh, he won't... He'll be splitting his goals this year with Tom Lynch, so he's not going to kick as many. Correct. Um, and for the latter, uh, my predictions are starting in first place, the GWS Giants, followed by Richmond in second, Collingwood third, West Coast rounding out the top four, Melbourne next in the fifth place position, followed by Geelong in sixth, Adelaide seventh, Port in eighth, Hawthorne in ninth, oh. Essendon tenth, Sydney eleventh, Brisbane twelfth, Bulldogs in 13, Fremantle 14, Carlton 15, Gold, uh, St. Kilda. Hang on, have I missed one? I'm Shit. not sure. Anyway. It's, we'll write this down at the end anyway. We'll write these down. Maybe we'll pop them up on one of our socials just to have it there in writing to see how disgustingly wrong or right we are come the season's end. Anyway, Brisbane followed by Bulldogs, then Fremantle, the Blues, St. Kilda, and then the GC, the Gold Coast Suns. That sounds like a pretty... Damn good list of teams there, Mealy. Some interesting stuff. Some big calls were made. Putting the Saints second last. Very bold. Bold, I will say. Man, I mean, a lot of people are... I hear a lot of people saying that they're going to finish in the eight this year. I might even challenge for the whole thing. I just I'm just, I just keep hearing it out in the air. Some, so I'm, people are talking. They are talking. And a lot you know of talking what happens. about it. But I, I, I just, you know, I, I think that you... They're injuries, man. I think it's going to be a telling. <laughs> well, you're going to be surprised to see where I put them in this this list. It's it's bold, merely. It's as bold as putting them second last. Dare I say, far bolder <laughs> than that. Do tell. Uh, okay, pray tell. Here's my run of teams. So for the Premiership, I have got the Adelaide Crows. I'll give my little a little bit of reasoning. It's pretty, you know, it's a pretty big call, I guess. Um, I think I think they they were the best team in the comp a couple of years ago, averaging nearly 130 points a game. If they can get that attacking style back, which I think the new rules help them with, that pace off the half back. They've got Brody Smith back from his ACL. They'd lost Tom Duday, I might say, on the weekend, which is fucking horrible for the guy and for the club. He's very good. Also, Three shout out ACLs to ACLs in one. Yeah, round. dude, I was going to say shout out to Ed Vickers Willis, who's apparently by every account a really lovely man who's very intelligent and who's had a shocking run, which is just sucks for these players. Um, but that's a shame about Tom Dode. Uh, I still think they're a very good club and they should be fine. And I think if it all goes right, you know, they can banish those demons of last year and they can uh, come out on top, hopefully, for Adelaide. Uh, Wooden Spoon, no surprises again. Got Gold Coast, strong. Uh, for the Brownlow, your boy, Ooh. Paddy Cripps. Yeah. Oh, I thought you were going to say Liam Jones. Okay, yeah, great. Paddy Your Cripps. boy, Liam Jones, flying off the half back, man. That's my tip. <laughs> Liam Jones for the Brownlow. Ooh, you know yeah. how those those uh, defenders, those stingy defenders always poll well in the Brownlow. Um, very well. No, very, I mean, Paddy Cripps well. finished fourth last year, dude, and in a yeah. team that won two. So. And he looked sh- cracking 
on on that first round. He looked amazing. A few passages was like, wow, this guy is actually just unbelievable, and he's so damn huge, and also has pace. All the things. We're, everyone knows he's a good player. He's my tip for the Brownlow, for the Coleman Medal. Josh Kennedy. Nothing else needs to be said. And for my ladder. All right, first place. The Adelaide Crows. Second place. Richmond Tigers. Third place. West Coast. Uh, fourth place. Collingwood. Rounding out the top four. Melbourne, just slipping out of the top four. Fifth, GWS, sixth. <laughs> He's the ones who might change. Seventh place, Essendon. Let's hope it doesn't happen, Mill. And eighth place, just creeping into the eighth place. Who else but the Saints? Eighth oh. place. This is the year, Millie. This is the year. I'm going to put Keep everything on the this. line. Once we're there, once we... This, you know? That's what I'm hearing anyway. I'm hearing a lot of that talk and so I listen to the talk. I'm a good listener and I'm putting my words out there as well that the Saints are going to make the eight. Ninth place, Geelong. Probably should be in place of St Gilda if we really think about it. But, you know, let's have a little fun here, Mealy. It's a fun podcast. <laughs> Put that emotion right high. We've said it. Oh, absolutely, man. It's going to. Uh, in 10th place, Sydney. Feel happy about that at the moment. Feel like they're slipping out. 11th place, North Melbourne. Hmm. 12th place, Port Adelaide. Hmm. 13th place, Brisbane. 14th place, Hawthorne. That, this is wishful thinking with Hawthorne. Wishful thinking. I should have tipped them for the flag just so maybe they'd, you know, the reverse thing would happen, but it's not happening. Um, 15th place, the Mighty Blues. Jeez. Which is one up from what you've picked, right? That's right. You've, t- you've been more bullish about them than I have. So I'm a bit more bullish. I'm giving them a few more. I'm, I'm gonna. Yeah, I'm. I'm rooting for you, Millie. I'm rooting for those blues. Uh, in sixteenth place, the Western Bulldogs. Seventeenth place, Fremantle. Eighteenth place, the Gold Coast. Um. So you know. Yes, but. Yeah, it's not too bad. If I had to, you know, the Saints is the one that's you know a little up for debate. But you got to have one of those wild cards in there, and why not do. be those mighty Saints? Plenty of really good clubs that are that are out outside that top eight, though. Anyway, that's my list. Let's put them up online somewhere so you can see it in writing. Indeed, indeed. Right. Time for little, the little last history. segment of our show. Yeah, yes. a dollar of AFL history. Um, I love it. Yeah, man. Um, so Our famous AF Eloquence segment, history footy segment. History footy. What more right. do you ask for? All right, Not much. What, what do you so got for us? Settle down. Here we go. Mm-hmm. Cool, I didn't cool, mean to cool. say settle down as in be quiet. No, no, no. I, I was talk. I mean, settle, no, settle no, in no. for a little tale. Oh, settle in and settle down. I, I, I agree. I'm going to kick back off the mic for a little bit and... You know, really let my mind run, you know, my imagination run free here. All right, hear me up, Millie. Early on in the development of Australian rules football, players who at the time were amateurs were essentially free agents. Now that led to a small number of clubs dominating the competition. The main competition in Victoria was the VFA and Carlton, Geelong and South Melbourne were the powerhouse clubs. Can I just jump in really quickly even there and just say how I'm so glad that doesn't happen anymore with a few clubs dominating the free agency period. That's awesome that that doesn't happen and it's really fair now. Anyway, keep going. I see you've picked (laughs) up on uh, something in my... um, What are you talking about, bud? What do you mean? I might have picked up on Um, that. uh, Now, these clubs uh, poached the best players uh, in the league who, surprise, surprise, when they... Choose when they were choosing where they wanted to go, chose the clubs that were going to give them the most success, most chance of success. Now that led to more and more success for those clubs. And then 
considerable inequality across the competition as the smaller, less successful clubs struggled to bring in enough talent to challenge. Mm, what a strange time. All of this led to zoning laws being introduced in an attempt to level the playing field. Uh-huh. Metropolitan zoning was brought into the VFL in 1916, which required players to play in the zones that they live unless they were discarded by the club that they, uh, that they in the zone that they were from. Now, zones changed over time to reflect the population shift and different demographics of an area. And things went on without much complaint for about 40 years or so. Following World War II, with mass urban sprawl and expansion of the suburbs, um, new suburbs were zoned basically as soon as they were declared and people started moving there. It was a real patchwork across Melbourne. There weren't any real, there wasn't any real geographic logic to it. Um, so you could live on one side of the street and be zoned to one club. And then your best mate who lived across the road from you played all your life with him. He'd be zoned to a different club just because that was how it worked. Oh my God. Imagine the conflict in those friendly neighbors. You got Richmond on one side, you got Collingwood on the other side. You had people moving house just because of it, you know. You would. Get into the clubs that they wanted. Everyone would be heading down Bayside, get amongst those saints. <laughs> well, anyone with, a, anyone with a drop of sense would. Yeah, absolutely. The country, though, was a bit different. In the early years of the VFL, uh, the leagues in the country were also quite powerful. It wasn't as though the VFL has always been the massive powerhouse it is today and the, you know, the biggest competition in the land. It was kind of comparable to the SNFL and, and, and the WAFL and country leagues in the early days, especially were, were pretty powerful themselves. And it's, yeah, it's not as though, um, it's always just been the VFL. So there wasn't the same pull to come to the city as there now is, um, country clubs were able to retain players for a, a lot longer. Um, and also you couldn't pay, you couldn't pay people. Um, and so. Yes, I noticed Mealy did the, uh, uh, some cheeky yeah. little inverted commas there, uh, which doesn't fly as well on a, on a podcast, or an audio medium, but uh, I think I understand what he's insinuating there. Maybe a cheeky little Richmond suit like our boy Percy Jones got last week. Little gifts on the go. side, little huh? Gifts. Little gifts, little, little brown paper bags something. Under, the, under the doorstep. Very um, cheeky. Now, so it wasn't really attractive to move, move to the city to play unless you had, you had a job there and you lived there. But as the cities exploded through the 50s, the urban clubs grew significantly and began to dwarf their regional cousins. This meant that city clubs would offer heaps more cash, all unofficially, of course, um, to great players from the bush. This allowed the big metro clubs to circumvent the equalization policy that zoning had created and recruit the best players from outside the cities. That led to the era of the big four Melbourne clubs where Carlton, Collingwood, Essendon and Richmond dominated the comp by monopolizing top country talent, leaving other VFL clubs to languish in and um, languish at the bottom of the ladder. And in the case of Footscray, North Melbourne and Fitzroy even fold, almost fold altogether. So in the early seventies zoning country zoning was introduced where players would be zoned in the country. But this time there was a bit of a difference. They weren't zoned, based on their address anymore in the country, they were zoned based on which league they played for, which was a bit of a pitfall because obviously some leagues in the country are stronger than others. So then the idea was introduced that every year the zones would shift 
And so if one year Hawthorne had this zone or Essendon had that zone, the next year North Melbourne would have that zone and, or, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Unfortunately, it didn't work quite as planned, though, because Carlton and Hawthorne had two of the strongest productive country zones and scuppered the idea, which directly led to their dominance through the 70s and 80s. This is why we had those power clubs in the 70s and 80s directly because of this. That's ridiculous. Those, those four flags that the Hawks won through the 80s and that complete dominance in these last 50, 60 years. That's why. The, un, uh, the injustice of it all, Emil. I'm hurting here as a little Saints fan. Makes a lot of sense to me. Bringing up a lot of trauma too. That's why I'm eerily quiet in the background here. Just taking it all in. Making it about myself and the Saints, of course. <laughs> this is why I'm reading this uh, this story out because the more you read into AFL, VFL history, the more you realise that these clubs which are traditionally dominant, uh, dominant for not necessarily just because there's some mythical special footy formula, but because they were gaming the system better than anyone else. 100%. And it still happens. <laughs> Eventually, though, logic won the day. And in 1986, the zone system was finally abolished which, you know, led to, for a while, a bit more uh, of an even competition. Um, of course, with the folding of Fitzroy um, in 1990, what was it, five or six? Um, oh, can't remember. Brisbane were able to create a bit of a power club dynamic and win their three flags. Then, of course, the uh, affected drafts uh, of the expansion years meant that the Hawthorne Football Club were able to do the same. One wonders what will come next that will create another disparity in the league and lead to less equalization. We're already kind of seeing it, I think. We're starting to see it. It's like eerily similar as that. You know, there are these, there are zones and academies like, you know, I know, and, and they seem like they're, I'm, I'm not exactly sure what they're all linked in with these clubs. Like, for instance, I know that Isaac Quainor for Collingwood, um, because he was from of African descent, uh, Collingwood have claims to him for, I'm not exactly sure why. Do you know why that is? Yeah, it's because within their region, which is a zone, um, huh. if you, if they're 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 encouraging players of uh, underrepresented backgrounds to join the AFL, the idea is that you'll take ownership of that and foster new talent within communities that are in that zone. So, um, you know, f uh, Western Bulldogs might have a massive zone in the West, and and therefore. Um, the idea is that they'll foster the talent there and, and put programs in place that'll encourage participation and whatnot. Quainor, though, it's it's kind of a loophole. He he fit underneath this rule, but he didn't um, really receive any assistance from Collingwood right up until the end. They just were able to swoop in and, um, like the magpies they are, and pick up the shiny player. Uh, how very convenient for them. Mm. Interesting. That's crazy. That's and it's and like you said, the next iteration of this or the next uh, form of how this takes place will be interesting. And it kind of is happening, isn't it, with this free agency thing? I think the big oversight that happened with free agency is that the 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 AFL assumed that players would move to all for money, just all about money. They weren't. Um, including success as a reason to change clubs. So they were all just thinking it was going to be a money thing. So these lowly clubs like your Saints and North Melbourne and whatnot who have a lot of money can, um, you know, buy yourself a Dylan Shield or whatever it is. But then as we know in, in that example, Dylan Shield goes to Essendon because apparently they're more <laughs> prepped for success. Um, yes, but that's the biggest oversight I think with free agency. It's kind of happening now. All, all the time you see that the players will choose Hawthorne 
or they'll choose Geelong or whatever it is. They'll choose Sydney, the clubs where they think they're going to have, you know, they can get a reasonable pay. And they also have a, a very good chance of getting some success, which is seems to be the ultimate thing, getting that Premiership Cup, baby. Yeah, and, they, and although she's the Tigers, and although they won't get huge amounts of money for their first three years, they will be challenging for Premierships for those first three years. And then by the time that comes to an end, they'll get a big back-ended contract. And that is way more attractive a proposition than going to a North Melbourne and who knows what. 100% man absolutely and it's a tiring conversation with that again from from a point of view from the fans like you and I when when you hear commentators and people saying like oh, oh you know what the what the Saints need is a is an A-class midfielder we need a we need a classy you know this and that and it's like well they're not going to come they don't come for you know um for this amount of money we're not we're not showing success on the field so they're not going to come to us and it's a bit the same with the Blues at the minute no these big dogs aren't going to come unless we get any better on field that's yeah. exactly right. Um, and look, there obviously there's still there is a salary cap, so there is a limit to that. Of but you, you notice time and time again that the clubs that are well structured are the ones that uh, attract these players. There is, of course, a football department soft cap as well. But the thing is, it's the soft cap. Mm. It's you can, if you want to, you can overspend massively there. You're paying, you know, extra money to do that. But the Collingwoods and the Hawthorns of this world don't give a shit about that. Not at all, man. Not at all. Well, thank you for that little tidbit. That's tasty. I'm, le- yep. I'm learning heaps of stuff from this little segment. It's good. Oh, dude, it's a, I could, it's, it's a I could do. We could do like six episodes in a row, all about the, all about the zoning system. It is fascinating. It seems dense. It's, oh, yeah, I, so I, I, I shall. I'll have a gander. It There's a story from the 1981 dense. season where St Kilda were docked uh, eight premiership points mid-season. Oh my um, god! Because they drafted a player who had been playing in the SANFL. Um, but he was originally from Mildura, which was Richmond's country league. And so they complained. St Kilda were docked uh, eight premiership points mid-season. Mid-season. And then towards the back end of the season, they were, they'd fought it throughout the season. Where it, was, it was reinstated. Um, and then they put the points back on and were fined. Put them back on. $5,000. Um, oh, and, my God. You know, it, it's the Saints. It's not like the Saints were challenging for the flag that year. Um, so it, I, 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 Most years we're not. <laughs> it doesn't normally make it much of a a difference. We were nearly folding in the eighties. Mm. Um, hey, thanks very much. That was tasty. That was really cool. My pleasure. Um, um, is there anything else that we need to say, or is this is this it for us? I feel like that's been a nice time. Again, we'll tighten this shit up. It's it's tough for these first couple of couple of rounds. These couple first couple of run throughs. We're still finding our feet, but. I'm settling in nicely here, Millie. I think we got a little a little good thing going. All right, well, we better do it, man. Thanks, everyone uh, who's tuned in or who's got this far. That's pretty impressive. You get this far. I'm very impressed. Uh, but thanks, heaps. As we said before, we've got all of our Insta or our socials. It's all under uh, AF Eloquence. I just spell A and then Eloquence. AF Eloquence, baby. So it's on that on Instagram, Facebook. We don't have a Twitter yet, but we will. And I'll same with uh, if you want to send us through anything on through our email it's afeloquence at gmail.com but um yeah thanks a bunch for listening in we really appreciate it don't we Millie? we do and we'll hear well you'll hear from us next week with round three of affluence an afl footy podcast no sorry afeloquence the easiest podcast to say there it is with that classic sign off which is our tradition we will see you next week thanks guys have a good one bye